Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'd like, thank you all for tuning in to the show. I got my crew with me, Darnell and Tyler. I'm Trey, and we're coming your way with the 54th edition of the Don't Kill the Messengers podcast. Before we get into the Super Bowl, uh, we got a couple other topics we're going to get into. We're going to start this off with NBA basketball, uh, real quick. Uh, first thing we're about to get into is, uh, this LeBron Charles Barkley beef. Uh, that's been going on, uh, in the news lately. Uh, LeBron, he's, Pretty mad at Barkley about some comments that he's uh, said about it's a topic that we talked about last week about LeBron feeling disappointed in his team uh, with just the roster so far. Uh, Bar- Barkley was stated uh, stated that quite frankly LeBron felt whiny and was just overall just disappointed with how uh, LeBron just approached the uh, whole idea about his team's roster. So. Uh, just how do you guys uh, feel about this um, kind of beat that they have right now, and who are you siding with? basically feel like both of them, they have points, but also both of them can chill out, shut up. Uh, Chuck comes at it a little bit seeming like the, the crotchety old man. I mean, I know some of you don't want this out in the media that you have a star player saying we don't have enough and this, that, and the other. Uh but that you know, there's some sour grapes coming from this is a, a star player trying to get another championship. Uh, you know, Shaq kind of hit him with the the low blow when he was talking about all of this, saying you don't know what it's like to try to go back to back for a championship, seeing as Chuck never won one. So, I mean, he he has some valid points. Like I said, you don't want this kind of stuff uh, coming out of the locker room. You want this kept in house. Uh, the stuff LeBron's talking about, but on LeBron's side, he, he's not wrong. He sees what his competition, competition is in the West. You have Golden State running away with things. You have, uh, San Antonio still looking formidable. And you have Cleveland with a couple game lead over Toronto. Uh, he knows that basically if one of the big three goes out for any amount of time is going to be probably detrimental to him. He's looking to get a a serviceable backup point guard. Some would say just a point guard that will facilitate, so he has to do doesn't have to do as much of that cuz you know, as good as Kyrie is, he's he's not a a facilitating point guard. He 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 takes up that spot on the court, but you know, you can't depend on him to run an offense like that. So both have points. Both need to tone it down. Like Chuck's being kind of hard on him, but uh, LeBron really didn't need to go as personal as he did. Like I get he's probably frustrated because he's the most critiqued uh, athlete on the planet probably, but, you know, most of where he went was a bit unnecessary. Yeah, you know, I'll – Agree, and I, I guess keep it short because you hit on basically the majority of even what I would have said. But you know, when when LeBron answers with things like "I never spat on somebody," you know, basically looking up things on Charles Barkley to attack him as a person, attack his character. Um, it was kind of like they were both stooping to low levels. Just, I mean, Charles Barkley's comments were probably a little more generalized. LeBron got a little specific on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were both a taxi character. Um, and really there's no place for that 
on either side. Uh, I understand that, you know, Barkley's just doing his job, giving his opinion. Uh, I think LeBron could take a step back and realize, hey, they're just, you know, it's just him voicing an opinion, uh, realizing their words. But, you know, he's frustrated. He's frustrated with the way Cleveland's playing. Uh, I mean, when you see that for the month of January, the Sixers had a better record than the Cavaliers, uh, things will get a little dicey. But no matter how frustrated LeBron gets, you know, he should realize people love to scrutinize him and that's just the way it is. Yeah, you know, I definitely agree with uh, both of you guys on this. Um, one part where I definitely agree with Charles Barkley uh, was just the fact that, you know, LeBron, he is the uh, reigning champ right now. You know, he beat uh, Golden State last year. So I was kind of like, you know, to me it sounded like he was a little bit too um, worried in a way talking about the rosters uh, on his team and so forth. And I think in a way, you know, that's kind of uh, – kind of throwing a little shade at his teammates as well. Like, you know, hey, LeBron, like, you don't think that we're good enough to win a championship again and whatnot. Um, but, you know, I could definitely see where Charles Barkley went uh, through there, uh, you know, what he was saying. But, you know, like I said, with LeBron, too, you know, if he feels that there, he needs a piece uh, to help him win again, uh, you know, then, hey, you know, go for it. But, you know, I do believe he should have went uh, to the GM and whatnot to help settle that issue instead of going public with that, because, you know, like I said, I think that would have caused a little bit of tension in the locker room with his fellow teammates. So I definitely agree with uh, both of you guys right there with what you said. Now, anything else to add to this before we go to NCAA? No, just, I mean, we'll see if it escalates. I, I don't think. Chuck will keep it going. I think he's gotten a little too old for these type of deals, but yeah, <laughs> uh, we'll see if if the rivalry grows. Yeah, yeah, and then also I think we all can agree we'd rather see what LeBron has to do on the floor than what he has to say off of it. <laughs> so exactly. if, if he if he wants to win a championship, uh, he can't let stuff like this bother him. I mean, he takes that leave from social media every year once the play the playoffs hit. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if we see that a little early this year. Yeah. All right, now we're about to get into NCAA basketball. Uh, we're about to pass this right to Darnell uh, with his thoughts on the squad, the Michigan State Spartans. Um, how do you feel about this team this year, man? Well, I mean, it's been a rocky road. Uh, it's it's kind of new, uh, a new type of team for – uh, Coach Izzo, it's the youngest team he's ever had, uh, as far as the talent goes. Uh, you know, right now he's, he's, he's just broke down. He's playing his four freshmen the most minutes, uh, per game and they're, they're, they're growing up fast. They're starting to show growth, but it was a bit of a, a roller coaster to get here. Uh, front loaded, heavy, uh, hard hitting schedule like he usually sets up. Uh, it was kind of uh, the toughness of the schedule was added to by all the traveling they did, going to Hawaii and New York and uh, playing in the Carrier Classic, all that kind of stuff. So it was a lot for a Trinidadian team to adjust to. Uh, so now 
they're at a point now where basically every win is crucial because they didn't pick up any in those uh, first couple weeks when they played those marquee games. Uh, probably the best two wins on their schedule right now are uh, Northwestern and Minnesota. So, you know, uh, there, there's good signs showing up now. Uh, Nick Ward has become a staple. Bridges is looking like the NBA talent everybody thought he would be. Uh, Cassius Winston is showing he's a uh, going to be a very good point guard. Uh, Stephen stealing minutes, minutes from uh, Lou Rawls Naren, their, their senior leader point guard, uh, especially when points are needed. So, you know, it's been a tough go, but uh, the growth is showing. Looks like they still might be able to sneak into the tourney, uh, but they're going to have to work for it. Yeah. Now, let me ask you, um, just how do you feel about this young team ceiling? Um, you know, right now uh, you're not pleased with the record and whatnot, but say, you know, you say you got four freshmen, you know, just looking down the road, you know, in the future, like, say junior year, uh, do you think this team uh, can really do damage uh, when it comes to uh, Marsh Madness, or do you think he needs to just uh, get some, worry about some better pieces that's coming in uh, next year to kind of take be, They'll be very good by year three, depending on who all stays. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's looking like there's a chance Miles Bridges might stay for next year. Uh, I, I still doubt it. Uh, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. Uh, but if he happens to do that, I think next year uh, should be one where they're looking at a deep run in the tourney. Okay. Uh, just based off of his talent alone. I mean, he the, the games he's had and he's starting to show uh, range in his jump shot, uh, post play. He, he, he's a very diverse and explosive player and – with the growth you've gotten from from Winston, like I said, uh, Langford, uh, he still needs to figure himself out a little bit. Uh, he he's a little bit more up and down, and then the surprise of of Nick Ward, who's basically playing out of position right now. Uh, if 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 Bridges stays and they get back some height next year, uh, where we can shift. Ward down to play the four and put Bridges at the three. Uh, I think they'll be nasty come next year. Okay. Yeah, it, it, I'll just jump in real quick here. Like with things seem to be heading in the right direction. I think there's no denying that. Picked up a nice win against Michigan uh, last week. Uh, beat Nebraska. Um, you know, things just seem to be trending in the right direction. They're making uh, better defensive uh, stances during longer stretches of the game than they were earlier in the year. Um, and I think a lot of that has to come from Miles Bridges stepping it up big time offensively. Um, but I still think the story of that team's kind of Nick Ward. Um, as much as we love to talk about Miles Bridges, like Nick Ward was the guy you talked about the least in the recruiting class, but the one you're basically before Miles Bridges started stepping it up in the last week and a half or two weeks, Nick Ward was when you were talking about the most and seeing the most progression from. Um, what would you say he has added to the team 
not necessarily from the standpoint of, you know, drawing fouls and points where, you know, that's his key role. But do you think he's been able to open up bridges, especially what seems to be uh, in this last week? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, he he takes away the chance of doubling one player on their offense. Uh, knowing that you have two players that are capable of getting you 20 based on the matchup uh, makes them a lot tougher to defend if you have both of those players at 100% on the court. Yeah, and then also, you know, let, let, let's assume this team makes the tournament. You know, they pull off an upset on somebody later in the year, or they win out. Uh, but but let's go ahead and just assume that they get into the tournament. Um, do you think that there'd be a potential of seeing Cassius Winston replace Tom Tom Nairn in the starting lineup? Because Nairn, a better defensive player. Uh, a total liability on offense. Um, and it, from what I see, d- despite, a, you know, a small setback on the defensive side for Winston, uh, I, I personally think he's just a better basketball player. Yeah. Uh, I mean, based on Winston's efficiency numbers, like, I think he leads the country in assists for, for 40 minutes. Uh, when you calculate full game time in, uh, and, and the offense just seems to run a little bit better when he's in because he's actually a scoring threat. So they're not sagging off the, the three point line, uh, on your point guard. Uh, you actually have to guard him. Uh, it, it just makes him a more, he, he adds more to the offense than he takes away from losing there and on the defensive end. Uh, you would definitely like to see Winston get a little bit bigger and stronger, which is usually what you would like uh, in a sophomore year for a freshman like that. Yeah. Uh, usually they're going to be able to – you can muscle them if if, if they're uh, taking on an upperclassman. But, but yeah, I think he, he's already starting to show that he brings a little bit more uh, to the team than Marin. Uh, there, there was still that, that leadership – uh, mental edge basically that Naren had earlier in the year, uh, where if a game got a little bit tight or pressure filled, it, it was, it, sometimes you could see it be a little bit too much for Winston. He would try to do too much. Mm-hmm. So you would have to put Naren in there just to calm things down. But, uh, you can see the maturation starting to happen where mm-hmm. it, it, you can see that this is going to be Winston's team as far as, on the court leadership and running the offense for Izzo, that's, that's going to be his next floor general. You, you can see it already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I know watching him play, it, for me, I understand you don't want to bench, you know, Tom Tom or any of that. Um, in terms of the chemistry that this team has going, but if seeing this team struggle at times and even struggle during stretches of games, even if they've won, I always wonder, you know, Cassius Winston has to be getting a few more minutes, you know, in spots where, you know, they'll go four straight possessions without a score. Um, and personally for me, I would, I would actually like to see Cassius Winston in that starting lineup. Uh, I think it would set a better offensive pace from the start because sometimes I feel like the stage gets, gets off to a slow start. 
and it might take them six or seven minutes to really get rolling. And I know later in the season when it's winter go home, you can't afford that. So. Later, later in the year that might start to happen, but I think, mm-hmm. I think some of it's just Izzo. He wants a little bit of an offensive punch when he has yeah. to put in a second unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause, especially cause Matt McQuaid was struggling shooting for the first quarter of the year. So you couldn't expect that from him. Uh, Alvin Ellis, uh, you're not sure what you're going to get from him every night. So I think he just wanted a consistent player that he can bring off the bench and mm-hmm. will knock down open shots. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why he's, he's still comfortable starting Tum Tum and, and bringing Winston in a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Now, right now, uh, just based upon conference play and everything, uh, which conference uh, do you guys think is the best uh, right now in NCAA? That that that's a tough one. Uh, a lot of that can boil down toward opinion, uh, but in, in my eyes, I'd have to go with the ACC. Uh, they just have a slew of ranked teams, uh, you know. And then when you're top heavy with the Dukes, the North Carolinas, uh, it's it's tough to match up with that. Uh, NC State's having a nice year. Florida State, despite losing a couple times recently, is still having a nice year. Miami, Florida's picked up some nice wins. Uh, Just top to bottom, the ACC always tends to run deep. Uh, And that's just a reputation that they have. Uh, And it's just another year for them in that regard. So I wouldn't be surprised uh, if they get the most teams in the tournament again. like they, they're usually one or two in getting the most teams in the tournament. So, um, I'll, I'll roll with the ACC. Yeah, I mean that's a good choice. Uh, I wouldn't count the Pac-12 out either, though. I mean Arizona, UCLA, uh, those are some very good teams there. But also just another one that's a little bit. I mean, basically every conference right now is super top heavy and. You don't know what you're getting once you go down the, the line. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to say an absolute best conference, but I think those are your, your two front runners there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, which player um, in the NCAA is the most NBA ready right now? And also, who do you think has the most uh, potential uh, to be the best in the NBA? Personally, I've and I've talked him up all year. I really like Lonzo Ball. Um, I think in terms of being a point guard, he'll he'll have a, a learning curve getting to the NBA as most point guards do. But um, I think uh, you know his his body's there. He'll be a bigger guard, which a lot of teams like to have. Um, I think his game is there. Uh, like I said, the learning curve will still happen just because it's the NBA. Games a little faster, guys are a little stronger, but so he'll have to develop into that. But I think I think his game is pretty ready for the NBA. Yeah, I would probably agree with that. Uh, he he's of especially of the the youngsters in in college right now, the lower classmen. He's probably the one that's most equipped to come in and immediately start contributing. Uh, he plays smart. He's big for his position. Uh, you'll be able to throw him in there, and I, he he just seems to pick up the game pretty quickly. 
Now is yeah for that is uh, that also uh, your guys like yeah who you think has the highest ceiling as well or um, if I had to pick someone for a high ceiling um, I think you could go with one of the uh, Kentucky guards De'Aaron Fox Malik Monk okay. uh, both of those guys can can really light it up any night uh, but like I said the trans the transition to the NBA is just so tough. Um, you could even throw Bam at a bio in there from Kentucky. Uh, Lonzo Ball, I would still agree, has a high ceiling. Um, and, and that, that's the hard part. The NBA draft is based on your ceiling. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're, you're looking at all these guys getting taken in the lottery because they feel, all right, we think your ceiling is extremely high. Yeah. So, and, and that also leads to the, the low floors. Um, I mean, how many guys get picked in the lottery that, you know, don't, you know, have a secured position in three seasons after their rookie contract runs up. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's just one of those one of those things where the ceilings are high for all these guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as far as ceiling goes, uh, I, I like Monk from Kentucky. He, uh, I think there's a lot of potential there, and I got to jump over to somebody that was who had a slow start, but it, it's starting to show why he was the number one overall recruit, but uh, Josh Jackson. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, he seems yeah, to be too. picking things up very well now, and uh, he's got a, just a smooth, effortless game where uh, you can see his, his ceiling is up there as far as yeah. NBA potential. All right. Now, are there any well, with with March Madness uh, slowly approaching? Are there any sleeper teams um, that you guys can think can make a big impact uh, when a tournament hits? There, there's always a few. Um, I think a team that could catch some people off guard is going to be uh, like a Butler. Um, they they play tough. They you know they beat Villanova when they were ranked number one this year. Um, NC State, if they get in, um, they they can make some noise. They're an explosive team. They have a win at Duke this year. Um, there, there's always a few teams you can look at and say they have a they have potential to you know win a few rounds. But I don't really know if there's going to be many many sleeper teams to make a deep run. The, the Cinderella story is always you know a team nobody tends to think of. You know you think of George Mason, you know Butler before they were on the map. Um, you know, last year, what was it? Uh, Austin F. Texas or Stephen F. Austin or whatever that school was. They, they won a few rounds. Like, I, I don't even remember the Stephen A. Austin. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it just shows how much I, I care. But, uh, you know, it's, it's never a team you expect that ends up making it pretty far. But if I had to go with a safe pick that I think could make some noise, it would be a, a Butler or an NC State. Okay. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to pick one this year because I, I think this will be one of the deeper tournaments we've seen. Where, like, going down to like, you can go into three seeds where they have a really good shot at going to the final four. I think. Uh, I guess one that I would say to look out for would probably be Virginia, uh, seeing as they they're usually really stout on defense, but they. They've been getting a little bit of an offensive punch lately, which is scary for a team like that. Mm-hmm. They can mm-hmm. pressure you and keep you from scoring. Uh, 
this might be a year for them to make a deep run. All right, guys. Now, is there anything you will anything else you would like to add uh, for NCAA basketball before we move on? Coach, it's getting close to that time. Uh, also, Coach K comes back on Saturday. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see if Duke makes a turn. Uh, they kind of been slumping a little bit lately. Uh, you know, his his absence on the bench is pretty big, so it'd be interesting to see if they get back to some winning ways and being dominant. Yeah. Alrighty. Uh, next, we're about to get right into the Super Bowl. Um, just what are you guys' thoughts on this Atlanta versus the Pats, the matchup? Uh, we got a, you know, we got a, a mainstay as far as the Patriots and the, the new guys on the block, I guess to say, as far as the Falcons go. Uh, it's been, uh, at least from my point of view, just historically they're not a team you can trust to yeah. go far in in the playoffs. They have made it to a Super Bowl in my lifetime, but they they blew it. Uh, uh, had had issues going on. Had uh, somebody get busted for prostitution the night before, so just <laughs> like blew it in in an Atlanta way. Uh, so, I mean, I, this seems to be a little bit of a different team, though. Uh, they have an offense where I'm just not sure anybody can, can stop them or take away from something that they do best because they have so many weapons. Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping for an exciting game here since, you know, this playoffs has not been exciting at all. Yeah. Uh, but, this this is one where if the if the Patriots are gonna win, they're gonna have to put up a a lot of points, I think. I think they're gonna have to win in a shootout and I'm not sure if that's possible. Yeah. See, I I would tend to just disagree with that last statement only because I think New England runs good enough schemes on defense to where I don't think it'll be a shootout. I think it'll it'll you know, the winner will have to put up numbers in the thirties. But uh, but I don't think it's gonna be necessarily a shootout. Like I think we could see a you know twenty seven thirty one game, uh, you know thirty one twenty eight, something like that. Last second field goal or whatever. Uh, but but I, I think what you have right is I don't know if Malcolm Butler is gonna be able to shut down Julio Jones single handedly. I think that you're gonna see a lot of double coverage. Uh, so I think it'll be interesting to see if they try and run Julio Jones on short routes and try and hit Taylor Gabriel deep, or if they try and just force feed Julio Jones. Uh, I think you can force feed Julio Jones. Uh, I, I think that'll still be an, an effective strategy. It's worked all year. Um, but I, I don't necessarily know that New England will have to be in a shootout. Um, I mean, you look at Antonio Brown, uh, he was pretty quiet against New England where he's usually loud against everybody. So they know, New England knows how to stop key players. Um, they've done it before. I do well, think they, but, they, 
they did stop Antonio Brown, but I mean, Le'Veon Bell was off the field most of that game too. No, so no, they, they were able to just key yeah, in right. on one person. No, you're right. Um, but I was going to say, but Julio Jones will still get his. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he catches for anywhere between 80 and 100 yards in a score. Um, but I, I do think that New England's defense is going to be good enough to where they'll be able to get off the field on some big third downs. Um, I don't think they're going to be um, giving up a ton of huge plays. I think they're going to have to – one thing they will have to do is they're going to have to force uh, – Atlanta to, you know, kind of dump and chunk at times, uh, you know, really force them to go for the short, the short plays and take away the long ball. Uh, I think that would make Atlanta the most uncomfortable. Um, cause if you, if you allow Atlanta to, you know, get 20, anywhere from 15 to 25 yards per play, that that's where they like to play. So, um, I, I think New England's defense knows what they're going to be doing. Uh, I, I just don't think that they're going to allow you know, for Atlanta to roll on him like the Packers did. Now, Darnell, he kind of touched on it a little bit. I was going to ask you guys, um, with Atlanta, you know, this is a team that uh, have had times where they played great in the regular season. So when the playoff uh, started to come, they fell short and would get eliminated first round and so forth. Um, Do you guys feel as if this is – probably too big of a stage for them at all, you know, just do with their kind of inconsistencies in the playoffs. Especially playing against oh. a uh, team like the Patriots that, you know, always could favor to make it to the uh, Super Bowl, it seems like, every year. I don't think so. Uh, just honestly, they they have a pretty mature team, uh, at least on offense, which is – I would rather have my youth on defense where pretty much the game plan is go out there and hit somebody or, uh, <laughs> and, and just try to make plays, take, take your chances or, or, but, uh, on the offensive side of the ball where you want them to be pinpoint precise and everything, I think that's where they have the experience and leadership, which is a good thing. They have a veteran quarterback, uh, who's, Spent years in that system. Uh, he has a very good relationship with his number one receiver, who is depending on who you talk to, somewhere between the number one and three best receiver in football. And and you have a good old line and two very very good running backs. Uh, I think they just have too many things they can rely on to fix any other issues that may be going on on offense. Uh, and and their defense seems to be clicking at the right time. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think they had that great of a defense, but you know, through this little end of the season on through the playoffs, they seem to be getting better, getting pressure on quarterbacks, and just making life hell for other offenses. So, uh, based on how they've been playing, I'm not sure if the moment will be too big for them. I think they they might have that right little mix of things going. Yeah, you know, I still think it's going to take time for each team to get in into a little bit of a rhythm. Uh, it's uncharted territory for most of the players on Atlanta. Uh, Tom Brady's been here before, so you know he'll be collected, ready to go. It's just going to be 
will everybody else be on that same page as well? Uh, I, I do agree with Darnell. I think that Atlanta is a very mature team. You don't, you don't see them, you know, being very, you know, vocal talking about the Patriots. Uh, you don't see them taking jabs at anybody. Uh, you can tell they're focused, uh, based on, you know, comments here from either Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, coaching staff. Everybody seems very focused. Um, and I, I think that that will pay dividends for Atlanta. I don't think they're going to come out and just get torn apart by New England. I do think that they're going to be able to hold their own. Um, but I do think at the end of the day, when you have experience on your side, it's going to pay dividends. You know, Belichick's been here plenty of times. Uh, Brady's been here plenty of times. Um, and you, you know that they're not just going to lay down and say, you know, Atlanta, we'll, we'll, we'll give you one here. So I, but I think Atlanta is going to come ready. I think they're going to come hungry. I think they're going to try and attack from the start. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the first play is a pass from Matt Ryan. Uh, but uh, I do expect, you know, really both teams to be focused and ready to go. All right. Now the ticket prices are lower than usual, uh, you know, just for the Super Bowl, um, you know, have a certain reasons like this how excited um are you to see this game uh just based upon like you know people the ticket prices being lower and everything you know is this game really that exciting i mean it's the super bowl so there's always going to be some level of excitement there uh i mean but yeah i, I don't i don't know why ticket prices would be lower uh i mean like, I can only speak for myself personally. I'm tired of seeing the Patriots every year in the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's become an old hat, yeah. uh, especially, like, when they're coming in with a favorite team. Like, I, I do think Atlanta, they have the talent to beat them. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's when you see the Patriots in the Super Bowl, it's like, oh, boy, so looks like another ring is coming. Yeah. Uh is just that feeling to come. So I, I don't know. I mean, is it, it might just be a trend just from how the season went, you know, beginning of the season, all the talk was how the television ratings were dropping for the NFL. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if maybe just uh, at least pro football is, has peaked a little bit and it, it doesn't have that grasp of, uh, America like it used to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that would be the majority consensus, you know, that people are just tired of seeing the Patriots. Um, I know a lot of people will watch this game to cheer against the Patriots, not necessarily for Atlanta. Um, and I think, you know, that, like you said, football may have already hit its peak. I wouldn't disagree. Um, you know, we see a lot of the same storylines year in and year out. Um, granted, I don't know. Well, for one, it's the Super Bowl. So people are already going to be intrigued from there. But I don't necessarily know how uh, prime of a destination Houston is. I've never been there. I know people say they like the area, but it's not like crazy exciting of an area. Yeah. Um, you know, so I wonder, you know, if it's because it's not a 
not that great of a destination. Like if it were in Miami, I'm sure people would be all over it. Um, you know, in LA, you know, places like that. But, uh, I think it doesn't have much to do with it being, you know, football dying out. Uh, I think people always watch football. People always want to go to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, so I, it could just be, you know, coincidental that it's a down year for ticket prices. Uh, you know, I, I don't think I would read too much into it. All right. Now, what are the keys to victory for both squads in order to win against Super Bowl? Well, I mean, I think is whoever's defense can do best against the other team's offense, I think is basically going to be the key for each. Uh, for, for Atlanta, it's going to be get a pass rush, get, get Brady, get Brady's clock to speed up and make him get rid of the ball faster than he wants to. Uh, you know, he, he seemed to have all day to throw against, uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, so they can't allow that to happen or else they'll get carved up and it, it'll put more pressure on what is a high powered offense. But if you don't have to pressure them to have to score every drive, probably it's going to be better. And, you know, that goes to Atlanta's offense. Then it's, it's going to be just try to do what they've been doing all year. And that's pedal to the metal and, you know, pour on the points where they can get them. Uh, use those, those four weapons of, you know, they're two high shot receivers and 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 two really good backs with uh, Coleman and Freeman. Uh, be mix it up and do what they need to do to move the ball for New England is what they do every week. It seems like and that's morph into a different team or whatever kind of team they need to be to uh, solve the Rubik's cube of the team that they're facing. Uh, I'm pretty sure they'll have a, a good defensive scheme planned. Uh, they'll probably slow Atlanta a little bit. Like I said, I don't think anybody can stop that offense. Uh, but I, th- I think, uh, this is where New England's offensive coordinators will make their money. Uh, like I said, I, th- I think more of this is gonna, this, this will be one of those Super Bowls that falls more on Brady if, if, uh, if they win this game. Uh, I think he's going to have to have a a a really good performance and you know get up there around that 300 yard mark and uh, two or three touchdowns on the board for him. Yeah, I think for New England, I think to hit that spot on is going to be you know just having the offense flow, uh, keeping Brady comfortable. Um, you know, really having that offensive line do work, protect Brady. Um, I think also it's just it's just going to be slowing down that Atlanta offense, forcing them to, you know, maybe take some shorter passes than they want. Um, you know, get some three and outs. If they can get a three and out on the first drive, I think that's going to set momentum for that New England defense. And, um, it could turn into a good night for them if they get their way early, uh, maybe force a turnover. But I think for Atlanta, it's going to be hit a couple long, big passes. Uh, Matt Ryan's really good at that. They're playing in a dome. Uh, that should benefit Matt Ryan. Uh, if it were outside, I'd say that totally benefits Tom Brady. 
granted, it doesn't really matter where Tom Brady plays, but I think being in a dome benefits Matt Ryan more than it benefits Tom Brady. Um, I think that that defense needs to constantly be pressuring Tom Brady. Uh, like you said, having him get rid of the ball, uh, a lot of short passes that, you know, they, they can't afford for, you know, Chris Hogan to do what he did against Pittsburgh. Um, you know, Julian Edelman's going to get his 10 or 12 catches, 100 yards. Uh, but, but you, you, you just can't let, other receivers on this team going off the wall against you. And, but, but that's what the Patriots love to do. That's what Tom Brady is known for doing is making everybody around him look like they're a pro bowler. So I, I, I one more thing that I think New England is going to need to do is really figure out what running backs going to do it for. Uh, is it going to be, you know, Deion Lewis, James White, Garrett Blunt, are they going to be running it up the middle? Are they going to be throwing swing passes? They, they're going to need one running back to do something good for them all game long. Someone they can just give it to and get six or seven yards. Um, like I said, either through a pass or a run, but uh, one of the running backs is really going to have to come up big for them, and I think one of them will. Always seems to. All right. Uh, just to let everybody know that they somehow don't know. Uh kickoff six thirty PM Sunday. Uh the line is the Patriots. Uh they have the Leewood minus three and over unders fifty eight. Who do you guys have winning? I'm gonna go with the Patriots. They were my pick. Alright. Well, neither of my picks are in there, so uh <laughs> um I'm just gonna go with who I want to win. Uh, like I said, Atlanta. I'm tired of seeing the Patriots, so I'm going with the underdogs. Let's let's see if the Dirty Birds can finally make do. All right, I'm going with Atlanta as well. Um, I'm a huge fan of Julio Jones. Uh, I just want to see him get a championship, man. Uh, I don't know. I got a reason just somehow, man. I got a feeling, man, Brady's going to miss uh, Gronk. Uh, this game, I think Gronk would have helped him uh, with some uh, bail him out of some certain situations. Uh, which I think the pass would need, but, uh, he's been doing, playing pretty well without him, so he can definitely, he's, he's been balling this year without Gronk, but just think there's gonna be a certain times in this game where he's gonna wish that he's had him. Uh, I think that Atlanta's D is a little bit, a lot of people been, um, overlooking them a little bit, but, uh, they've been stepping up in the, uh, playoffs, so. Going with Atlanta, guys. So you're going against the team you picked from the start. Yeah, I'm, I'm going for it, man. Yeah, it's uh, I, I had to change of heart, man. So, yeah, that's I want to see Atlanta get it, man. I think I think I this will be their last chance. Uh, I, I can't really, I don't really see them uh, could possibly be getting in there anytime soon. Whereas the Pats, it's kind of like you know, they can. Uh, it seems like every year they're going to be in the Super Bowl, but Atlanta, I don't think, I think if anything, their time is now to win it. I don't really see any other doors being open and open for them to go into the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I, I did. So. Random question. You brought up Grant. Yeah. If, if the Patriots do win this, and we all know the Patriots are basically outside of probably Brady, anybody is expendable. Do you think that might be the end of Gronk there? Oh. Mm, 
I'm, I'm going to say no. Um, mainly because I only think it would be that much easier with him. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I do, I do see where you're coming from. I mean, you have Jimmy Graham come off an injury. The Saints get rid of him. It's not like they're doing any better or worse without him. Uh, but I, I, I think they'll, they'll keep him around as long as he wants to be there. He fits what they do. He's a part of what they do. He's the number one pass catcher there. Uh, I don't know that it would be the end of him there in terms of the Patriots don't feel like they need him. Uh, if, if he leaves and it's his own decision, uh, then so be it. But, uh, I don't think it's going to be the Patriots saying we don't want him. Yeah, I think they will keep him, man. Uh, Gronk, you know, he's a beast. Uh, I just think the Patriots, I think they will keep a guy like him. Uh, yeah, I just think they would, like, if they had to choose between kind of like him and Brady, uh, especially with just how their quarter, their quarterbacks have stepped in, stepped up with, uh, Brady, um, missing out those, uh, four games. I think, uh, they, they, I think it, they need Gronk more kind of in a way than Brady. Brady's, I don't know, I think he's just kind of been stepping up with just the whole Belichick system, um, in a way. So I just think they'd be kind of foolish to get rid of, uh, Gronk in a way. Yeah, I'm not saying it would be the smartest decision, and yeah. like you said, it would, it would make it easier for the next year. But I mean, they win that Super Bowl, and just how that how that team runs everything. Yeah, especially if somebody comes in and says, "I'll give you this year and next year's, uh, well, this year's first round or next year's third for Grant." I I think the Patriots might go okay. Yeah. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. yeah, it would definitely, it would definitely have to be a sweet enough deal. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, anything else to add for the Super Bowl? Yeah, I guess then this would be my question: If Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl, gives him a fifth ring, does it make him the greatest quarterback of all time? And you can even say <laughs> no. I believe he that is an acceptable. <laughs> no, I believe he <laughs> And, and, and I guess the reason I say that is, I mean, you can give him more rings than any other quarterback. Yeah. True. You know, this is, you know, in sports, people care about the ring, the ring. So definitely, you know, I definitely, if somebody was to say Brady, um, I definitely wouldn't, you know, argue with them on a lot. But a thing too, uh, that, you know, I was going to get into you guys with next week if they would have won is, you know, how, uh, it's gonna particularly be about Belichick, Belichick, you know, is how, like, with the, uh, you know, Spygate, uh, the Playgate and all the, uh, the scandals that they've had going on, how much does that impact them as well? So, you know, it's, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be mad at somebody if, if they were to say that, but, you know, as well, you know, kind of like looking at, you know, kind of the scandals that follow the Patriots as well, you know, it's kind of like, you know, how would you hold that against them as well? So, you know, but I like Brady. Don't get me wrong. You know, I uh, definitely would not be mad at the Patriots win, but, um, you know, definitely, man. It's just, that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Sure. How do you feel, Darnell? <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty much on those same lines. If somebody says it, I'm not going to say you're absolutely wrong. Yeah. Uh, Brady is, he's, he's a good quarterback. I'm, I'm, I would never say he's he's terrible. He 
he's only a system quarterback. I think he'd be a good quarterback if you put him anywhere. He, he's in a perfect situation. Yeah. Uh, personally, yeah, I, I do think the Patriots are a bit of a shady organization on the field. Uh, they, they'll take whatever avenue they can to get an edge and get a victory. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's other teams that'll do the same thing, but they've been caught more than anybody, at least that I can recall. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he, he's the face of that organization. Uh, so, I mean, probably with me, I still would probably throw Montana up there because he's un- undefeated in that big game. Yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of, I guess, basically like how that Trump card goes for Jordan versus most people when you start talking about uh, who's the greatest ever. Like, I, I guess I, I go with the guy that has a zero uh, on the loss column in the biggest game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and only because I had that conversation with somebody earlier this week, you know, I you know, a lot of people, you know, raise that six and zero argument for Jordan, and then the LeBron lovers respond with, "Yeah, well, look at how many in a row that LeBron's been to." And I can say, "Well, I don't know that I'll see anybody else in my lifetime even make it to six Super Bowls." Mm-hmm. So, well, now seven. This is the seventh. So, you know, I'm, you know, I would personally, I I like Tom Brady. I like. I like the Patriots. I mean, I'll, I'll say it. I don't care yeah. what allegations have come up on them. Do I think that they're, you know, justifiable and everything for all the punishments that came down? Yeah, sure. But they, you know, they took the punishment, moved on, and still won games. So, yeah. you know, at, at the end of the day, I, I think Tom Brady, at least to this point, is the best quarterback I've seen in my life, in my lifetime, for sure. No doubt. Um, so. I'll stick with yes, it would move him in, into the GOAT category. Alrighty. Nothing wrong with that, man. You know, like I say, you know, with the rings and everything, uh, it's a well-accomplished player, you know, but a lot of people, you know, they could say, hey, you know, what about Spygate? What about Deflategate? You know, and all this other stuff. So it's, you know, like I said, I wouldn't be disappointed if somebody was to say that to me or be mad at them or anything like that, you know, just there's some stuff they would throw back at it, but, you know, mm-hmm. I don't mind Brady at all. All right, guys, anything else to add? No. No. Be safe at them Super Bowl parties, people. Yeah. All right, uh, just to kind of end the show, uh, you know, Darnell was kind of touching um, on about it, uh, just with the whole NFL playoffs, about them not being entertaining. Um you just like, just want to know, like, how do you guys just feel about sports? You know, particularly like we cover a lot of NFL, NBA. Uh, do you guys feel that like sports are watered down like nowadays? Because, you know, just looking at the playoffs, uh, the NFL playoffs, you know, uh, when we covered the NBA playoffs, there wasn't really a lot of exciting games, um, that happened in the playoffs. And this too in the NBA, you know, there's not really a lot of just great teams in there. It's like four or five teams. In the NBA, that you can say, okay, yeah, they got a shot at winning a uh, championship or you know doing something. So, just how do you guys just feel about sports overall nowadays? I think I'm fine overall with sports. Uh, I mean this this season's been pretty bad as far as the NFL goes. Uh, you know, pretty much 
uh, all but maybe two of them. Pretty much every Thursday night game this year was just terrible football. Uh, the playoffs outside of one game so far was terrible football. Uh, and as far as the NBA goes, I, I think most people are to the point where they feel like the regular season can be shortened. But if you go back to the playoffs last year for the NBA, it was it was fun. They uh, especially once we got into the the conference finals and semifinals on the west side, there there were some good games and good series. Uh, and and they weren't all blowouts on either side. You actually mm-hmm. saw good games. And then when you look at the the college ranks, you you still have fun all around. I mean. We can think about how many fun games we saw in college football this year. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, when it comes to March and college basketball, you, you see all kinds of close competitive games. Uh, so I, I, I think most of it falls on the NFL right now, uh, which is usually the league of parity where anybody can win and you, you have a lot of uh, the – the margin of error between the championship team and the team that's picking number one usually doesn't seem like it's that far, but this year it just seemed to be, I guess, an anomaly there where just we got a lot of bad games. And like I said, maybe that was the cause of ratings starting to drop. Maybe it's people being wary of the concussion issues and everything. Maybe some players are starting to, ease up a little bit because of that type of uh, issue. But as, as far as overall, I would say sports are fine. I just feel like the NFL uh, had a bad go at it this year. Okay. Yeah, um, I would definitely agree. Uh, and I, I wonder how much of that just boils down to the NFL being so top-heavy. Um, you know, I, I say it with the NBA, um, you know, where you get, it, it, I think we see a more top heavy NBA, but this year, just seeing that effect of the teams at the top just being that much better than everybody else in this particular year. Um, I, I don't have a problem with it. It was just a very uneventful playoffs. Um, I do think that next year will probably be better just based on the fact that it's a brand new year. Um, you know, I, I think that sports in general, uh, at the collegiate level will constantly be competitive. Um, you know, I think that they're, you know, it's, it's the, it's just the, the old saying of, you know, well, those kids don't play for money. They play for pride. And, you know, whether you think that's a bunch of crap or not, I mean, college athletics never fail in the in the competitiveness factor. Yeah. Um I mean March Madness is always there. The college football final has been there really all what was this the fourth year, third year? Anyway, I mean it, it that's the competitiveness has been there in the title games. Um it, it for me it's just the idea that I think that j- just the teams at the top were just that good this year. Um, and, and I don't know that it's, 
you know, teams not being competitive. I mean, the regular season was actually decent. I mean, there were a couple divisions in the NFL where it came down to the final regular season week. Uh, you know, you had the AFC, what was it, the AFC South and the NFC North both came down to the final week. Yeah. Uh, wild card spots came down to the final week. Yeah. Um, and it, it, the playoffs just had a bad shake of it. Um, yeah. And it happens. Uh, you know, Golden State will sweep two teams before they get to the conference finals this year. So uh, it, it's just the idea that it was the first one we'd gotten in the wild in the NFL where there was really one or two games and that was it. So yeah. uh, hopefully the Super Bowl's better. I, I don't think that we need to read a lot into it. I think it was just the way the year fell. Yeah. Um, and just be happy that March Madness will be here to save us before we know it. All righty. <laughs> All right. Nothing wrong with that, man. Um, just to ask you guys too, just kind of about, um, the NFL, you know, kind of like what I thought about was, um, how do you think, uh, rules, you know, are just affecting, uh, what could be for NCAA football as well, you know, with, uh, stuff like targeting, uh, you know, they move the, uh, field goal length longer and stuff. Like, how do you think, what do you think about, do you think they're doing too much with the rules now or you just think they should just keep it the same or what? I'm not sure if they're doing too much with the rules, but, uh, I mean, Football's just going in a way that's not going to be stopped. Uh, player safety is, they're not going to stop caring about the players. It's only going to, it's only going to grow. Uh, especially with more and more former players passing away and we find out that the stages of, uh, CT that they were in, like we just found out that Mel Fire was in like stage three of it, uh, from his recent passing. Uh, former lion, if, if people don't know who that is. Uh, so I mean, as far as like rule changes for safety and just a lot of the, a lot of the crazy hits that we had in the, I mean, as early as like the early 2000s, just those are basically going to go away. There's going to be targeting. People are going to have to go back to form tackling where you're wrapping people up. Uh, like, probably after a while, even though players are figuring out how to lead with their shoulders instead of their heads, there's a chance that goes after a while. I mean, so as, as far as those type of rules go, yeah, it's, it, it's that, that's going to keep happening. Uh, I'm, I'm waiting for the swing to happen where, uh, they start letting cornerbacks touch somebody again and, you know, do a little bit to play some defense. I know over the last 10 years or so, they've tried to get more touchdowns scored or everything, but at some point that'll start to bore people where every game in the NFL is 45-45. You got, I think we need to find a happy medium where defenders are allowed to play defense and without worry of a flag every single play. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree there. Um, you know, as fans, we argue a lot about the refing. Um, and, you know, we ultimately need to just realize it's what they see at the time. They have real time to make a call, split seconds. Uh, us fans get the, get the, uh, 
benefit of instant replay. They don't get instant replay. They need to get off the field to see it. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, I agree with you. If, if the rules are for safety and it's proven to be needed, I'm all for it. I am, I'm 100% for player safety. It keeps good players in the league longer. Uh, it keeps players safer. Um, but the one thing I hope doesn't start to happen is we see these games start to turn into a circuit. Um, you know, I've seen people propose new three-point lines for the NBA because Golden State shooting the three in an unbelievable clip. Yeah. I've seen, so you know, four points, yeah, yeah, or whatever. You know, <laughs> moving moving the field goal back to make it a little tougher. That's fine. But it's not like teams started going for two constantly. Yeah. Uh, I think Pittsburgh went for it the most, and they didn't even go for it every time. Uh, you know, the thing is, I just don't want to see it turn into a circus, turn into almost like a game show of how crazy can we make it to try and either attract new viewers or make it harder. Um, I, I think sports alone do a good job of bringing in the viewers. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't want to see them make rule changes for entertainment. I want to see them make rule changes for safety, for the benefit of the game, not for viewers. Yeah. Because the, the, the people who want to watch are going to watch anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, they are going to make rule changes for viewers. That's just, it's, yeah. it's a tele, it's a television no, product. No, it's true. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's why we have teams scoring so much right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. All right, guys. Um, is there anything else you would just like to add overall, or no? No. Uh, all right. Um, as always, guys. Uh, like thank you all for tuning into the show. Um, you can check us out on Twitter at uh, DKM underscore Cast. Uh, you can also check out our podcasts on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, tune in. Just hit us up in that uh, search engine and we should pop up. Um, you can also, I would encourage you guys, if you're in the cars, check out my cousin's YouTube channel, uh, The Black Scat Pack. But as always, guys, I appreciate you guys uh, for tuning in. Y'all take care and have a good one and uh, have fun at the uh, Super Bowl parties or whatever that you're doing. But you're going to be drinking, drinking responsibly, and, you know, just do your thing, guys. Peace out. <laughs>